As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is presented in part by the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular. New for 2018, the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular will be contested at Maryland International Raceway August 24th through the 26th, featuring a $10,000 to win Saturday and $5,000 to win Sunday format. By pre-entering the Saturday rate for only $150, you will receive entry to Sunday's race for free. In addition, today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're an open-minded racer with a desire to improve on the track, This Is Bracket Racing Elite can provide the tools to help you do so. Everyone and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in Sportsman Drag Racing and the stars within it. Big Jed, my man. What's up, Luke? Man, I'm excited. We got a big show on tap. Big, big, jam-packed show. Hopefully, we can fit this into not much longer than an hour. We've got what everybody's talking about. We've got the pride and joy of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. We got JJ's top ten coming on. I know you fired up about that. Yes, jacked. Yeah, <laughs> this week's edition of the BTE Who's Hot. We got a lot of results to cover, and we'll try to condense it as much as we can. We'll talk national event in Seattle, NHRA Divisional up in Division One at ATCO, IHRA made its way to Pittsburgh, Producer Mark's home track, and two big events in Michigan, one on the top bulb, one on the bottom bulb. We will be joined later in the show by Chris Stein. He was the big winner at Stanton, Michigan in the World Super Pro Challenge. Took home $50,000 for his efforts. Look forward to having Chris on the show. We'll finish up with what's on tap and we'll close this thing out, Big Jed. Without further ado, 
we got a lot to do, man. Let's get into it with producer Mark. Gotta hear this. This week on what everyone is talking about. All right, Luke. It's time to talk about what everyone is talking about. And, you know, these things are, are starting to get a little more traction. No split finals. That seems to be uh, something that everybody's loving. You never really know the story about why a split didn't happen, but we got a big no split final that we want to talk about this week. And that was uh, Nick Bauman getting the win at Keystone Raceway Park over Andy Conrath in the Summit Sportsman Spectacular. Now, Nick came from the no box side, entered the top bulb side, I think somewhere around five cars, and made his way to the final round where he collected a $10,000 payday to go on top of the $1,000 payday that he got for being the last no-box car standing. So big win for a no-box guy. And then, you know, when you put it all together and it's a no-split final, it just seems to get a lot of attention. It is the year of the no-split final. (laughs) That's becoming a trend. It is the year of the no-box guy just rolling through everybody. How many times that happened this year? A lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're that's... talking, obviously, Kevin Pollard, obviously, Nick Bauman. I got a front row seat to watch Andy Schmall do it. There have been more. Like, it's this is becoming more and more common, and it's awesome. Like you mentioned, Nick was not only bottom bulbing, he was deep staging. That was a rule revision as well that had created a little bit of a stir within these uh, IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectaculars in the past. I think that's a good revision on their part. I know you'll attest to that, Big Jed. Great call. Um, But yeah, to your point, the no split final, like it definitely adds some intrigue to the storyline post-race. In this instance, it's our understanding that like the split wasn't even discussed which I think is really cool, but it almost like the story's almost better when somebody says, "No, nah, man, I'm just taking my chances." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that that adds to the storyline a little bit. But I don't care how that conversation goes down or if that conversation happens. When you got two racers staging up for the advertised purse, that is a significant disparity as just about any big dollar bracket race is. That's fun. Like I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's a great time. Obviously, gives us something to talk about. Social media blows up, usually very heavily in favor of the winning racer. Uh, a lot of congrats and a lot of uh, they get what they deserve, whatever, when it's turned down. But in this case, there was no discussion, and it's just really a cool final. It's no Nobody did anything wrong. Nobody um, was a bad person or something that you want to talk about for say a no to a split. Although that's not really a bad thing at all. If that's why you choose to race, this was just a, a good race between a bottom bulber and a top bulber and the bottom bulber got it done and collected a nice big payday. So good for you, Nick Bauman. Yeah. And let's be absolutely clear here, Jed, as you said, if it's you and I rolling up for the final and it's $10,000 to win and $2,000 to run her up. And I say, Hey Jed, what do you want to do with the money? And you look at me and say, Luke, it's $10,000 to win. <laughs> I can't have a problem with that. Like that's what we all signed up to race for. Granted, it's been commonplace for years to cut that up a little bit, but I don't think that necessarily has to be the expectation. And if you tell me no, like, I don't think I have any grounds to be upset about that. We're just going to go race for the purse as advertised. Ah, come on, Luke. (laughs) I mean, that sounded good for the show, but I mean, really, if I mean, I'm going to strap in and try to whip your butt, but (laughs) whatever, if I lose, I get two grand. So be it. 
<laughs> I mean, if I said no and you got that wind light, I mean, I'm sure there would be a little extra oomph in there. Look, I've been on every side of that situation, Jed. I have turned down a split and won. I have turned down a split and got my butt kicked. I have been turned down and won. And you're right, that does feel pretty good. And I have been turned down and lost. So it is what it is. Uh, turned down for what? Uh, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick was the big winner there with the the big payday and uh, the no box bonus, which is a really cool thing that the Summit Sportsman Spectacular offers the bottom bobbers. But he was not the only winner. Sunday, uh, Mitch Schomber, maybe Schomer, I'm not real sure, but either one is correct. Uh, got the win over Steve Marincheck, which is a local racer there in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, Steve, guy's been around a long time. Done it at a high level for a long time, so seemed to go really well. Producer Mark was there. He said that uh, he didn't quite get the performance that he was looking for, but uh, he said it was a very well-run race. The IHRA staff was very welcoming and uh, nice to deal with. Had lots of giveaways and round prizes, and he highly recommends everyone listening to check out the nearest Summit Sportsman Spectacular. It's, it's really cool format. They've got something for everybody, and obviously, if you uh, like the bottom bulb race, there's a great opportunity for you to go make big paydays in the top bulbers. Just another big payday for you as well, uh, that opportunity is there. So, guys, check out the Summit Sportsman Spectacular, every, every opportunity you get. Yeah, and it sounds like they had a solid turnout up there at Keystone, which is great. Good to see that series getting a little bit more traction. Good, Glad to see the weather finally cooperating with the, the IHRA and look for big things to come there. We'll cover it as it happens. Jed, we didn't put the listeners off too long. We snuck in a little IHRA Sportsman Spectacular coverage there just to make sure that everybody listened to like the first five minutes of the podcast yes. because we know what they're holding out for. It's that time. It's that time again with the little golden voice of drag racing, JJ Pennington. Oh, it like it's, it's time for JJ's top That's ten. A it's time for JJ's top ten. It's time for JJ's top ten. It's JJ's top ten with JJ Pennington here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. All right, guys. Obviously, a very special segment each time we're able to do this for me. And I know Luke and Mark enjoys it, and I hope you guys enjoy it. But it's time for JJ's Top Ten. We have our Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast correspondent on the line, JJ Pennington, joining us tonight. How are you, bud? I'm doing good. Doing good. That's a, a nice, simple, clean statement there, and uh, it, it says a lot. You are doing good. And we're <laughs> glad to have you on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast tonight. You got a nice big list for us tonight, don't you? Yes, sir. Are you back to school yet, or is that coming up? Not yet. That doesn't happen till Thursday. Thursday. Okay. So just you got a couple more days to savor, huh? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, you know, my, my, this is not really, we didn't want to talk about this or wasn't planning to anyway, but my little guy's going into seventh grade and he is going, that's a high school where we are. Oh. Um, so he's going from the oldest and biggest kids in the school to being the, the youngest and smallest kids in the school. So, you know, um, 
we're hoping everything goes well here. This transition is going to be a challenge, but I know my, my man's up for it, aren't you, bud? Yes, sir. Even got a locker with a combination. Lots of things are changing in your life. Oh, big steps, big steps. I remember not, that. You don't have big bushes at the high school, do you, JJ? Not that I know of. That's good. That's good. I know that <laughs> the times have changed significantly since I was in high school. We're a little bit more sensitive. We're a little bit more caring these days. Um, but when I, when I started high school, I was a freshman in ninth grade. And the 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 hazing or the, the orientation for incoming freshmen, because there was a long row of tall, I mean like five foot tall bushes that line the gymnasium. And if you weren't careful as a freshman, if you walked by there at the wrong time, you were subject to get bushed, which just meant that somebody picked you up and threw you in the bush. So I actually, I got really fortunate in Kennedale High School, not naming names. I never got bushed, but, and it was one of those things, like it was more of a threat than like, I don't even remember anybody actually getting bushed, but we were all scared to death that eventually we were going to get bushed. So <laughs> JJ, I think you're safe, but if there are significant bushes in your area, Steer clear. Yeah. <laughs> and if you get thrown in one, just stay in it until they're gone. <laughs> Don't come out mad. <laughs> All right. But it's, uh, it's, we got a lot to talk about tonight. So let's go ahead and get started. And I think we should lead off with the future of our sport, our junior dragster category. We got some big time performances in junior dragster. So why don't you get started telling us about it at number five? Number five is going to be uh, Layla Dillman. She runnered up the uh, 13-year-old class at the ECF and uh, runnered up the Wally race at Crossroads Dragway. Oh, yeah, Crossroad in Terre Haute, uh, Indiana. That was a um, great performance by Layla. She's been performing really well lately and a couple of big runner-ups, and I know that, that super big win's coming her way very soon. So good for Layla. How about number four? Number four is going to be Shelby Todd. She uh, won the... Huddleston Jr. race before the ECF and won the six to nine year old ECF championship. Oh, yeah. Shelby Todd with a great performance there. Won the Huddleston race before the Eastern Conference Finals and then comes out in the Eastern Conference Finals, gets the six to nine year old win. Shelby's been driving really well this year and had a heck of a performance this month. So good yeah, for her. That's a memorable week right there. Yes, it is. All right, big guy, you're on fire right now. Give us number three. Bruce Saxton is going to be number three. He won the Race of Champions race at Rockingham, was the runner-up at the ECF to Carson Emmett, and has been in four other finals since the ECF and has been in 14 finals in 2018. Wow. Bruce Saxton having one heck of a season in the junior category. That's uh, He, he was runner-up in the 11-year-old category there, so that was uh, – you know, obviously still got a lot of years left in his junior race, and that was a heck of a performance this month from him. Uh, and obviously been doing that all year with 14 finals. So big, big-time performance from Bruce Thaxton. Uh, we are hearing about some great junior dragster race, and I'm looking forward to number two, bud. Who you got? Number two is going to be Carson Emmett, who won the 11-year-old championship at the ECF in Bristol. Yeah, Carson having a phenomenal year. He's had a phenomenal career already in the junior category. He just, again, in the 11-year-old class, just does it again at the Eastern Conference Finals with the championship there. Uh, the guy just turns on wind lights. So great job by Carson Nimmin. He's our buddy. He's from uh, northeast Alabama. So we're, we're happy to see Carson do well. 
about to say, that name sounds familiar, JJ. He's appeared on this list before, has he not? He has. Yeah, that's what I thought. Jed, is it just me, or is do you kind of get the same feeling like, this is cool, like I really enjoy shedding light on the junior to extra crowd, but there's oh, a yeah. part of me that thinks 10 years from now, like, we're going to have to deal with all these kids? Yes. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> and, and that trend will continue as we talk about who is number one on the list. Speaking of familiar names, but who you got? Gage Birch at number one. He won all three of the races on Saturday at the Back to School Bash. Yeah, the Back to School Bash, Rob Reynolds put that on down at Emerald Coast Dragway in the Pensacola, Florida area down the Panhandle. Gage won the Saturday main event won the Saturday high roller race, and then won the king-queen shootout on Saturday. Three big wins on Saturday at the back-to-school bash. Gage, we talk about Gage and big cars when he gets the opportunity to race those. Obviously, a standout in the junior category as well, as he still has some eligibility. And, man, did Gage ever show out down there at Emerald Coast. Big-time performance from him. For those of you keeping score at home, that was Gage's 84th, 85th, and 86th wins of the 2018 season. <laughs> that might have been a little bit of an exaggeration, but not much. <laughs> yeah, you can't be far off. But uh, some big-time performances there in the junior category. Great to have them uh, on your list, bud. Uh, Grant Cook was a standout as well, winning at the Eastern Conference Finals and Skyler B won uh, the fun race there at Bristol, an eight-round race with a lot of juniors in it. So uh, a couple of guys that did not make the top five, but very worthy of a mention. So great job by all those juniors on your list. And uh, we have enjoyed shedding a little light on you. But now let's move over to the bottom bulb side, bud. This is uh, something going to be fun for us to talk about. So let's talk about number five. All right, number five on the bottom of side goes to Hot Rod, Rodney Fincham, Fast and Fincham. He beat his son in the final round of a $3,000 Gramblers race at the WFC and earlier in that day had a perfect run. Yeah, it was a, obviously the WFC is going to get a lot of attention here because we were there. JJ saw it with his own eyes and it's special to us. But Hot Rod, not the biggest win of his career, maybe not the biggest of his month. But it was super special as he got the win over Jake Ball, his son, in the final of that gambler's race. Uh, still very difficult competition. It's a no-buyback deal. And he made a perfect run, as J.J. said, uh, in the middle of that race and then comes out and gets the final round over his son. It was very emotional, just an all-around good time. It was just a heck of a performance by Hot Rod. So glad to see him make J.J.'s top five. Jed, JJ, guys, I will say we we need to coordinate a little bit better because we don't need much excuse to have Hot Rod Fincham on the podcast. <laughs> we should have got together on this and be like, hey, uh, Rodney's on the list. Like, uh, let's get him on because that's <laughs> always entertaining. Yes, it is. And it would have made a great story, Just, I'm sure. It's a footnote for the future. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do better. <laughs> All right, bud. You got our number four spot. Number four is going to be Justin Lamb. He won Superstock at Seattle at their national event. Uh, not much more we can say about Justin. I um, mean, this guy is just unbelievable, and there will be some discussion about him uh, later on in the show. But just another big win from a guy that will give you the impression he didn't even really care about chasing the, the world championship or 
you know, what win lights he gets, he just goes, has fun, and tries to win every round. And the guy performs at a super high level every time out. So, Justin, very deserving. Good to see the super stock guy making your bottom bub list. It didn't all have to be foot breakers from the World Foot Break Challenge. So that was really cool. But what about number three? Uh, number three is going to go to Nick Bowman. He won a no-split 10K final round against the top bowler in July. That's pretty impressive when you're going off the bottom to get by a top barber like that. Yeah, we talked about Nick earlier in the show. That was a big win for him and uh, obviously puts him in a good spot on the top five list. Uh, great outing for, for Nick like he is used to doing. What about number two? Might have heard this name before. Number two, it's going to go to a completely random guy that's never been on the list before. His name's Kevin Pollard. Uh, he won a 15 grander on Sunday at the World Foot Break Challenge. Beat a beat oh uh, Bob Mullaney in the final yeah. round. Bucks. Yeah, Bucks for the final round performance there. It was good to see that. But Kevin Pollard just doing what Kevin Pollard does, turning on wind lights everywhere he goes. And you know we uh, we're a little biased, but we think it's a pretty big stage for him to do that on a fifteen thousand dollar win is uh, kind of small compared to what Kevin's been winning lately, but. I know he enjoyed it still, and it was fun to watch, and it was a, a very good performance, but still it's, got a spot. Yes. So as I, I'm going to interrupt. Like it's so insane, and I hate to even do this to you, Jed, because I agree. Like We've talked about this before. The World Footbreak Challenge is the premier event for footbreakers. Like, I forgot that he had won. The 15 grander at the WFC. Like, it, it's just, yeah. it's amazing how it all runs together. The season that he's at, it's unbelievable what he's done. I mean, we've we've discussed Kevin Pollard enough. We we had a standing deal there for a couple of weeks. We weren't going to utter that name. But, man, he, yeah, I don't think you can overstate what he's done this season. No, that's true, Luke. And, and it, easy, it is easy for a, a win in the foot break category 15,000 to get lost in his accomplishments. So, no offense taken there. That was a, it was a big day for him, but man, he's had a ton of those already this year and still got a lot of racing left. What about the number one spot? But this was a pretty special deal, uh, watching it all play out. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking about this one as well. Real quick, before I do say who number one is, we can't forget that we had to get Lucas Walker to do Kevin Pollard's winter circle interview for him. <laughs> yes. Yes. Kevin, a very humble, uh, soft-spoken guy uh, he is a big guy and wads himself up into that chevy love and just kicks tail but we did have to bring in an interpreter from the yes no answers and really uh, give us a, an interview so thank you lucas walker for that who made number one big guy all right like you said this is really special special especially for me my good buddy cody barnhart comes out in chance likens volkswagen and wins the fifteen thousand dollar uh combo on Saturday at WFC. Yeah, that was a, a great day. Uh, Cody, in his familiar Camaro, was having some troubles. I mean, I say some troubles. That's that's really downplaying it. This guy had a ton of issues. They fought through every one of them, got the Camaro on the racetrack. Cody offered up his uh, Volkswagen, tube chassis Volkswagen car for uh, Cody to compete in on Saturday for that $15,000 prize. And Cody did what Cody does. And just turned on wind light after wind light and got a huge $15,000 payday there on a big stage. His folks were there with him. Holly and Dennis were there to help him celebrate. He had a, a, a huge entourage in the winter circle 
celebration and just all around good feel for Cody Barnhart getting that big win and very deserving of being number one on your list. So, man, I'm I'm already exhausted just from all these big performances, but we're about to really talk about some huge performances now, bud. Let's talk about the top bulb racers. There was a ton to choose from. All so much that we we've got a first for JJ's top ten right here. And Ooh. what is that? Ooh. For fifth place we have a tie between Lane Ledford and Champ McCrory. Ledford won a fifty K at the SFG summer shootout and semied at the World Super Pro Challenge and run it up to his dad on the last day of the World Super Pro Challenge. That's pretty impressive. McCrory won a 50K at the SFG Summer Shootout as well. Yeah, Champ getting his name back on the list of big-time winners. Uh, this guy's won a, a lot, a lot of big races, uh, some 50s as well. But he, I think he was a little overdue and uh, got his name back on the list for $50,000 winner. Lane Ledford had to be mentioned here. This, this young man is, Luke, as you know, is performing at a super high level lately. Yeah, with that question, and I think it just speaks to the depth and the amount of huge money races, big dollar figures getting thrown around, specifically in the last month, as that's what JJ's top 10 is, is for the month of July. A, we couldn't narrow the field to five. And B, the two guys that tied for fifth place each won a 50 grander and lost in the semifinals of a 50 grander in the same month. And their fifth. <laughs> Think about that for a second, folks. Yeah. Yeah, that is uh, kind of crazy. Uh, what's what's out there for the super pro racer right now? And speaking of, who you got in the number four spot? Number four is going to be Chris Stein. He won a 50K at the World Super Pro Challenge as well. Yeah, Chris, the big winner, as we talked about in the opening of the show, he will uh, he will be joining us here in just a little bit to talk about that big day at the racetrack. Chris has had a lot of those, but this was super special. So who do you have? Well, that's not very good for a father to teach his son to say, who do you got? Who do you have in the number three spot, bud? Number three is going to be Kenny Kenny Underwood, he won a 50 grander at the Firecracker Bracket Nationals. I mean, Luke, you were there. Kenny's been he's been doing this all year. It's, it's really unbelievable. When you look at the performances for the year from a driver, obviously the Kevin Pollards and those guys are making a lot of noise, Troy Williams and, and all the normal names, but I'm not sure anybody's had a better season than Kenny. Yeah, no, I think what Pollard's doing is in a class of itself just because he's doing it with what most of us would consider a handicap, doing it all on the bottom bulb. But you're right. I mean, we've talked about it before in the show. The season that Kenny Underwood has had, well, just if you classify it just like this, obviously from a dollars and cents standpoint, but maybe from like a races one and round win percentage standpoint, this may be the best season in Kenny Underwood's career. And that alone is saying a lot. And then when you take... The best season of a, of a career that spans three decades of success, maybe more. And you just happen to put it on the richest season in the history of sportsman drag racing. Like, that's pretty special. And that's what you've got right now with Kenny Underwood. Yeah, very well said. And I, this season will go down for him as something extra special. But speaking of extra special, how about number two, big guy? Number two is going to be Nasty Nick Hastings. He won 100K at the SFG Summer Shootout. 
Yeah, Nick, no stranger to big final rounds. Uh, that was a, a huge win for him. He's runnered up uh, a bigger race than that. But to date, I believe this is going to be his largest win. And uh, a guy that just continues to show up on lists and top tens and who's hots and everything else. But Nick Hastings with another great day at the racetrack, a 100K win. Uh, had to be something super special for him and normally would earn the number one spot, but somebody took it away from him this time. Who is it? Dennis DiValerio won 100K at the Firecracker Bracket National. Yeah, Dennis DiValerio, uh, you know, obviously it's a guy we know performs very well uh, at the racetrack. Um, and he and Nick did the same thing basically, but Dennis. You all right there, be, Big Jed? I, I'm right? struggling. I, I'm make, emotional. You're, <laughs> Go ahead, take this over. I, I didn't realize Dennis DeValerio was so near and dear to your heart. Yeah. No, yeah, I think good. what you're trying to say here is um, as as bad as, as and as biased as it sounds like when most of us see uh, Kenny Underwood's name or Nick Hastings' name attached to that 50 or $100,000 win, it's obviously still a big accomplishment. You don't necessarily like blink an eye. Dennis DeValerio is a very, very accomplished racer. But he won, uh, obviously, a windfall that is life-changing money for most of us and would be the biggest win in the career of 99% of racers everywhere and did it at what is essentially his home racetrack. And that was one of the cool things about that Firecracker Nationals at Byron is that while it was one of the biggest paying races on the calendar, it had a very hometown feel to it. Like that race was populated, uh, I think they had 400 entries and there was maybe 40 or 50 of the quote-unquote touring pros and the rest which obviously it's a farce to say that that byron dragway has 350 locals but it was very northern illinois wisconsin minnesota crowd you know what i mean like it was a different feel than your average you know fifty hundred thousand dollar race and then and the locals acquitted themselves very well di valerio being the poster child for that and it was it was i was pulling out the gate as the last couple of rounds went down but to see him win that and you just picture like one of the most standout performers at your local track and then your local track has the biggest race that they've ever had in their history by you know, maybe like four or five times what they've ever paid before and the local hero wins it like that's basically what you had so that's always a cool story yeah the story is definitely what put dennis uh, at the top of the list my apologies for uh i never never just totally went down like that on the podcast i've done it on the mic before at the races but i'm just uh, glad so, to have you back that's well it is it is great to be back and you stepped in there like a pro and took that over you said exactly what i wanted to say and except you only said it better but you know you look at that list that's uh, great performances you had Tony Meltbet with a 25K win. You had Dave Angeli with a great month. G-Unit Greg Kaufman with big win. Peeps with a big win. Ken Jones had a $26,000 payday at the shootout that you had, the door car shootout that you had at I-57, Luke. So, I mean, just Jason Hoff. You just look down the list. There's so many huge performers, but those oh, guys. Time out, time out, time out. Enough with the summer door car shootout stuff. Like, we expanded this to six, right? And we, we couldn't get Tony Melville in there with the buggy? Yeah. JJ, we, come on, man. We Yeah, we, we talked hey, about it's Tony. it's not my fault. <laughs> I, not I my just, fault. I got a soft spot for the buggy. What can I say? Blame it on, blame it, blame it on Daddy. False information. I didn't get that. He didn't hey, even say anything. I was getting to it, JJ. I'll always blame it on Daddy. Don't worry about that. I'll, I'll get to that. <laughs> well, and I should take the blame. That's my fault. I do obviously help JJ 
put this list together and Tony Melbeth should have gotten more consideration, but at least, at least he got an honorable mention. Well, we, and, we, I'm sure he appreciates that. And <laughs> I, I mean, I realize that the race he won paid 25 grand and everything else was minimum 50. I don't care if that race paid 2,500, Big Jed. He did it in a buggy. I mean, a true <laughs> buggy. That's true. It just shouldn't matter how much money you won. It's, it's all about the performance and the story. So, how many, how many 25 grand David Rampey won in that buggy? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. Zero, I'm guessing. It's my guess. Well, JJ, you knocked it out of the park again. I, I wasn't a big fan of you uh, throwing all the blame on me right there to end your segment, but, um, you know, I should have taken the blame before you even had to say it. So I'm sorry I led you down the, that path, but great job, bud. You uh, did your research, you, you knew where you guys won, and you were. Uh, uh, able to talk about some great performances on the racetrack, and it was awesome having you once again. Thank you. I can't wait till next month. Well, that makes at least two of us, and I'm probably hoping for more than that. So, I think I speak for everyone on the line. Now, there's four of us. Can't wait to get back. And uh, come on, you guys can play this humble pie bit all you want. We are giving the listeners what they want. Like y'all have come out and drove. Y'all love JJ. We realize if we had him on every week, Jed and I wouldn't have a podcast anymore. It'd just be the JJ show. Um, but JJ, man, we appreciate you coming on. Awesome job once again. And uh, we look forward to recapping August with you too. Thank you. But good luck moving into the seventh grade on Thursday. Thank you. I'm going to need it. All right, bud. Have a great night. He's on fire. It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. You can shop online at BTERacing.com. Big Jed... JJ touched on these guys. This week's BTE, Who's Hot? We've done some interesting stuff with the Who's Hot before. Like we had one that we've had brothers. We've had teammates. There was a time where we did like all things Williams, even though they weren't really related with Troy and Gary and Austin. Like that was that was pretty creative. Yeah. I don't think our listeners will probably correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've had a father-son team. But this week, the choice seemed relatively obvious. Yeah, and I don't remember if Chris and Corey Gallitti made it in a who's hot together or not, Luke, but it, it just sounds like that could have happened, but that's old news. These two guys are the guys of the hour right now, Jeff and Lane Ledford. I mean, wow. Father and son, obviously Jeff Ledford has been a standout racer for multiple decades, and now young Lane has come along, and he is just following in dad's footsteps uh, literally, I mean, they're making final rounds and, and late round appearances together and pairing one another. But Luke, that these guys had very, very special performances of late. Yeah, they had the ultimate father-son moment on Sunday at the World Super Pro Challenge, which is at Mid-Michigan Motorplex. That's obviously their home track. That's the track that is family-run and has been family-run for all of Lane's life. So it had to be even more special there. As a father, Big Jed, like, think for a second about the opportunity to square off with your son in the final round of a prestigious event for $5,000, which is awesome, right? In and of itself. Oh, yeah. And then you take a step back from that and you look a little bit deeper into the results and realize this very nearly happened the day prior 
Ledford 10 times as much money. Lane Ledford hot on the heels within the last month of a $50,000 win, also in his home state at US 131. And Jeff Ledford, who obviously former IHR world champion, no stranger to success, former finalist in that $50,000 to win event at mid-Michigan, both father and son advanced to the semifinal round of the 50 on opposite sides of the ladder. Has had a chance to happen on the biggest stage in that area, and one of the biggest stages in sports and drag racing. They both fall in the semifinals. Now, while that's cool, fun, like on one hand, it's got to be somewhat devastating. Definitely not the financial loss that you want at that point. And then they just regroup 24 hours later, do it all again, win one more round each, and square off in that storybook final round. I don't think it could go any other way. This week's BTE, who's hot? Team Ledford, Jeff and Lane, father and son. Yeah, unbelievable performance, back-to-back days on that stage and that kind of competition. It obviously worked out uh, the way they intended on Sunday to go to the final round and get to face one another without having to pair on the ladder. So that was really cool. You talked earlier about Dennis DiValerio and what he did at Byron at his home track. That had to be super extra special, not only at their home track, but their signature event Uh, The 50K World Super Pro Challenge. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Only way it could have gotten a little bit better was for them both to get that uh, win light at the semis. But awesome, awesome deal. The emotion and the story says it all. I'm sure it was uh, had to be really cool to be there and be a part of it. So congratulations, Jeff and Lane Ledford, father and son, BTE, who's hot. We will get back to the World Super Pro Challenge. We'll detail that event. As we mentioned before, as we teased, we will have Chris Stein, who ended up hoisting the trophy at the end of the day in that $50,000 main event. Chris will join us here shortly. But first, Jed, let's go across the state, back to US 131, where the same weekend as the World Super Pro Challenge was going on up in Stanton, they had the bottom ball bash down there in Martin. I know you're the bottom ball guy. You're the resident bottom ball expert. I'll let you take this one because I know you want to. Well, I do. I'm very excited about this one in particular. Uh, Brian Cerruti got the Friday win over himself. This is just a week after winning the modified category and runner-up and top at Dragway 42's $2,000 to win points races that was very well attended. So Brian Cerruti on fire, as always. Uh, great to see the folks at Martin, Michigan at US 131 give the bottom ball of guys a big stage to race on in the same state that the World Super Pro Challenge was happening on. So uh, congratulations, Brian Cerruti. Run yourself in the final is a really big deal. And then coming off a great performance the week before makes it even extra special. Uh, Saturday and no box was Steve Collier over Caleb Ellison. Again, two guys that I think we've talked about very recently. If it wasn't last week, it might have been the week before. Winning and running up races, going to big final rounds. Steve and Caleb just standout performers always on the bottom bulb. Great job by those guys. The master junior dragster category was Peyton Jimenez over Allison Mutchler. The Mutchler family, everybody knows, is uh, is uh, well known up in that area. So I'm sure Allison's tied to those guys, Tracy and the gang. Uh, advanced slash beginner junior dragster combo was Evan Mutchler over Connor Jensen. So that was uh, good to see that happen. And on Sunday, uh, Luke, the no-box race was won by Al Bruchart. And that was over Donnie Hagar, which is Ron Hagar's son. Ron, many, many-time Big Buck champion. 
and Donnie following in the uh, old man's footsteps. Donnie, talented young racer, master junior dragster, with Seth Jimenez this time over Sammy Perrone. And advanced beginner junior dragster combo was Mary Stewart over Braden Peters. So it looked like they had a great race there at US 131 and uh, some big time winners. Yeah, Michigan was definitely the place to be last weekend, whether you're on the top or the bottom. In addition, NHRA Tour Division One made its way to Atco, New Jersey. From a points perspective, Big Jed, nothing really jumped out to me there. Our buddy Steve Cisco got a win in Supergas, which I thought was worth mentioning because he was driving what I guess you would call like a by today by today's standards a non-traditional Supergas entry. Um, he was driving, I believe it's Scotty Albrecht's father's Camaro, which I believe is a back half car, big block, but I think it runs like 150 miles an hour or something, which is fast, but not by today's super gas standards. And it mm-hmm. just goes to proven the what we've known for years, Jake Jed, that Cisco can drive anything in any class. Like that yes. is one talented dude that I, his show doesn't get on the road like it used to. He's super accomplished. He's won a number of big dollar bracket races. He was the NHRA Super Pro World Champion a few years ago, uh, won the Pomona runoff and everything. But uh, Cisco, I know that he's uh, been an NHRA winner on the bracket scene. He's been an NHRA winner in Super Street. Now it adds super gas to that list as well. And like I said, no surprise there at all. The only other result that jumped out to me from Atco was Mark Payne, House of Payne getting the win in top sportsman this season at least mark does not appear to be a national championship contender to date he hasn't run a single national event he's only been to three or four divisionals i looked earlier but this was his second final so while probably not in contention for the national championship and which would mess up our uh, team luke team jed standings definitely a contender in division one now with two finals and just again i believe it's four races so congrats to mark yeah, Mark House Payne. That's my boy right there. Great to see Mark doing well. All new combo, twin turboed the car uh, over the off season, changed it all up, and still coming out and doing what he does and turning on wind lights. So, great job, Mark. Glad, glad to see you uh, competing at a high level as always. Uh, Luke, the NHRA Northwest Nationals happen in Seattle, Washington. Yep, the final leg of the 2018 Western Swing, and it was just a brief 22 years ago that Steve Kastner really put himself on the national radar with back-to-back wins on the Western Swing. He won Super Comp at Sonoma and Seattle in 1996. Kastner relived that glory, and we've talked about him a lot. Kastner has been, he was a top three national finisher last year and top dragster. He's been having a great couple of years in NHRA's fastest pure sportsman class top dragster so he revisited that seattle winner circle 22 years later this time around in top dragster that's awesome that was the good news i believe it was his sixth national event win on his career the bad news for steve and i think originally did you pick up steve we talked about picking up steve in the draft I don't even know if he ended up on one of our teams. Yeah. Unfortunately for him and anybody that might have him in the NHRA pickup, he came in his sixth national event, and the rules in Top Dragster are different than any other sportsman class. You get your best three out of five. So while this is a great win, Steve's hoisting the trophy, he's taken home all those contingency checks. It did not help his pursuit for this year's national championship. And as we've said before, that looks pretty good for Team Jed and Paul Nero. But yes. uh, congrats to Kasner. 
Yeah, so obviously that was a great performance, but look, we talked about it in JJ's top 10, his top five bottom bulbers. Justin Lamb got the win in Superstock at Seattle. I mean, it's unbelievable that a guy can just continue to perform at this level. We all sit back and look at Drag Race Central, and we see a 50 or 60 light, and we think, there's nothing to that class. I can go win. It's a lot different when you took your time trial at 9 a.m. yesterday morning, and it's 1 p.m. tomorrow, and you're running first round or whatever round. I promise you, this is an extremely difficult class with great equipment and great talent, and Justin Lamb just continues to rise to the top of it like it's just nothing to it, Luke. To your point, when you look at those box scores and and the bracket racer and you wants to shake your head, you're not looking at Justin Lambs. Like you talked about that 50, 60. Justin doesn't do that. Like no. ever. And this jumped out to me. Like we talk about Justin. How You can't help but talk about Justin's exploit, certainly over the last year and a half, really for much of his career. And I think in a lot of ways we're – guilty of looking at Justin's accomplishments much the same way that I mentioned earlier that we look at Nick Hastings or Kenny Underwood like we take it for granted because we expect Justin Lamb to win. I was thumbing through these results the other day and one specific stat really jumped out to me. I saw Justin won Superstock at Seattle. I realized just because we've been keeping up with it here on the podcast that's his fifth national event win of the season and I think he's only been to like seven races. That's pretty impressive. But in the footnote on Drag Race Central, it said, this is Justin's 34th national event win. Okay. <laughs> Justin's 31 years old. That's oh. crazy. It makes me step back, Jed, and I don't want to overstate things. I, I, don't, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. I just have this feeling that if he continues, maybe not even at this pace, but if, if Justin Lamb like, continues to have interest in sportsman racing for the next two decades, I have a feeling that we are, maybe not you and I, Jed, but somebody that's doing something similar to the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast in like 2040 <laughs> is going to be saying that the guy that we're overlooking right now in a lot of respects may very well be looked upon, again, two decades from now or whatever the case may be, as potentially the greatest racer in NHRA sportsman history. Like I don't think that that's far-fetched. I don't think that that's hyperbole 34 national event wins to date four national championships uh, i don't want to jinx them but in all likelihood that'll be five here in a few months i can't see too many scenarios in which he doesn't end up winning the Superstock world championship much like kasner this race didn't help him i don't even know that he was out of national events but you can only claim three and he'd already won three like you can't do any better right <laughs> got a lot of divisionals to go but i don't think it's far-fetched for him to exceed 650 maybe even 700 points he's already won four races you only count eight. So it's going to be difficult to catch him. So maybe that's five-time world champion. He's won national events in six different categories. That alone puts him in very rare air. And again, as I mentioned, he's 31 years old. Like, I just don't think it's far-fetched to, when you step back on his career, again, on into the future, I think he's going likely to have maybe not necessarily the overwhelming numbers of event wins as a Dan Fletcher or a David Rampey. But I think when you look at that pedestal of specific to NHRA competition, it's Rampey, it's Fletcher, it's Peter Biondo, it's Scotty Richardson. 
And I think it's if he's not already in that discussion, it's a short time before Justin Lamb's added to that list. And just relative to age, like I was trying to think about this and place it. Fletcher got his start a little bit later in his career and obviously runs more races than most. Like, I don't know that he even said it when he was on the show, like not sure anyone outside of David Rampey will ever crest 100 wins again because that's just a ridiculous number. And you just think... In Justin Lamb's case, he's been ultra successful. Like he would have to keep up not only this level of success, but this pace for two decades more, and win another thirty-four and another thirty-four to match that. Like that's kind of crazy. Yeah. But I was thinking back to it to have accomplished what he's accomplished again at the age of thirty-one, and he just turned thirty-one. I think the only one that could match his accomplishments to that stage in their career was Scotty Richardson. And I don't know the exact numbers on Scotty, but I was looking this up, doing a little bit of research earlier. He won his last championship in 96. I believe Scotty was born in 71. So that was five world championships by the age of 25. And I think Scotty, even now, I, I'm not sure that he's gotten to 40 national event wins. He's somewhere right in that area. Like Justin's going to eclipse that soon. But as far as to be that accomplished, specifically on the NHRA tour at that young age, I don't even think Peter's success came that early in his life. I, I think that's exclusive to Scotty Richardson and Justin Lamb. And like I say, just big picture, I, I have this feeling that we're kind of taking this for granted. And one day we're going to look back and say, you know, we were watching something really special right there because I don't see any signs of this letting up. I mean, I don't think it's realistic to say Justin Lamb's going to win two world championships a year for the next decade, but I think he's going to be in the mix as long as he wants to be in the mix. Uh, there's no doubt about that. You know, obviously he has accomplished something that, that you wouldn't accomplish in a long and storied career, really. I mean, a, a 30, 40 year career doesn't net these kind of results. And like you said, he's 31 years old. And I saw Peter put it on uh, one of the Facebook posts where somebody was congratulating Justin. He, he said, Justin doesn't even understand what he's doing right now. Uh, I mean, the guy just goes out and wins races, does what he does. He said, it's going to take 10, maybe plus years for Justin to look back on this and understand what he's accomplishing. So, yeah, I think we certainly don't underrate him, but I don't think we even understand the greatness that we're watching take place right now. And uh, obviously at 31 years old, he, he stands to do it for a long time. If he just continues uh, getting out there this much, or as much as he's done, obviously Chris gives him great equipment. He credits him for that. Uh, Kyle, I think big nasty is a big part of the program and tries to help him stay focused, but you still got to get in that car and you still got to drive it, which is the hardest part. And Justin is doing that at a level that we haven't seen in a long, long time. So I believe we'll continue to talk about him for a long time. This is episode 89 on episode 389. I think we'll still be talking about Justin Lamb. Yeah, if he wants to be out there, I think he'll be successful. I think that's the only question at this point is how long does he want to do it at this level? You know, as far as like a legacy type look back. All right. Back to the World Super Pro Challenge. Back to mid-Michigan. We teased it a little bit earlier. We talked about the Ledfords. I got to start this off with the Department of Corrections. Our fact checker last episode sucked, Big Jed. <laughs> we got to fire that guy. I'd, no. I'd mentioned, I gave you like big trivia, like I was the authority on this, right? I said, Big Jed, who won the first 50 grander at Stanton? And I gave you two names. I said, you know, you're probably going to guess Little Strick because he's an Alabama guy. And I don't, you know, you often don't think outside of the state. 
Yeah. Um, and I said, Illustrick <laughs> did win, but I think he won the second one. Ricky Adkins won the first one. I got that backwards. I had to write two names in my defense. It was backwards. Right. It was Little Strick that won the first 50 at Stanton. And it's not like you could say, oh, that's, that's pretty good, Luke. It's not like I had to be Lewis Bloom to figure this out, right? It's on the flyer. Look at the flyer. It gives you a list <laughs> of the winners. That does not, help. Not rocket science. So anyway, apologize to uh, Little Strick. Shame on so, me for not knowing that the first one come from Alabama. That's, that's, yeah. poor, that's poor state recognition on my part. So I apologize to Strick. Alabama sportsman drag racing history for 1,000, Alex? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the big check, we've talked about it. We've teased it a little bit. Chris Stein will be on with us shortly. He got the $50,000 main event, uh, the race that they all came for over a friend of the podcast, Troy Williams Jr., who just continues to have an incredible 2018 season that just footnotes an incredible career in big dollar bracket racing specifically. So uh, I did see, I, at least in my opinion, Troy won the internet a little bit. Did you see his post following the $50,000 runner up? I did see. I did see. That, that just knowing the history and Troy and Gary, obviously brothers, and there is no bigger supporter of one another, but as I think is just natural, there's a little bit of sibling rivalry there. So Troy runners up to 50, gets up the next morning, and the first thing that pops up into his Facebook memories are winner circle picture of his brother Gary's win at the same event years prior. And Troy shared that and was like, like, I needed to be reminded of this. And <laughs> I like that. That cracked me up. Other winners from the weekend. Thursday's 10-grander, Scott Taylor, got the win over Kelly Smith, I believe. Friday's 10-grander, Alvin J. AJ Ash with the win over Pat DeBottis. And then we talked uh, at length about Sunday's $5,000 win finale that had Jeff, Led- Jeff Ledford, the quote-unquote old man, Showing the kid a trick or two, getting the win over son Lane Ledford. So, Jed, I don't know if you have much else to add from Stan. I think the man, the myth, the legend can shed all the light on it that we need to have. We're bringing Chris Stein on now. He is the latest $50,000 winner. I think we should make him the big interview. Should we make him the big interview? No doubt. Time for the big interview on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. All right, guys, as promised, uh, we have the big winner from the weekend. Uh, it's great to be joined by Chris Stein here. Chris is a multi-time Big Buck winner and the guy that is the man of the hour, the latest World Super Pro Challenge $50,000 paycheck. Chris Stein, thanks for joining us tonight, man. How you doing? Oh, we're doing good. Thank you guys for having me on. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. Are, it's you, our even, are you even beginning to get used to getting introduced like that? It's starting to sink in a little bit. I keep <laughs> looking at the winter circle picture sitting on the shelf here at work and the and the Happy Gilmore check. So I'm starting to believe it every day that rolls rolls by. <laughs> Well, for good reason, man. Congrats. As a, as a, you know, just a very special, awesome day at the racetrack that not many people get to enjoy. So I'm sure you're soaking it all in. Now we're, we're definitely trying to. That was kind of one that I wanted on the mantle, just the history and prestige. It's, it's a little different than it used to be maybe, but I grew up listening to everybody talking around here about the 50th Stanton. So it was one we wanted on the shelf for sure. 
yeah, that's been a big deal for a long time. Now, how far you're in? You, you actually live in Indiana, correct? How far are you from Mid Michigan? We're about three and a half hour tow up there nice. to the drive. Yeah, not bad at all. So, Chris, we got a little background on your racing program, and you've obviously got awesome equipment today. It took you to the win, and we've all seen, you know, that Huffer go real fast down the racetrack, but it didn't exactly start that way. No, Luke, uh, Luke knows <laughs> most of the career. We we definitely didn't start out that way. We started on an extremely minimal budget when I was actually a senior in high school and bought a I don't even, I couldn't tell you, there's no, there was never a chassis tag on the thing, but probably somewhere in the early, mid-80s hardtail car, and it went through several reiterations of design and updates, but it served its purpose. We we learned a lot and raced local with the car on a budget we could manage at the time, and like I say, kind of cut our teeth and learned the ropes with it. Yeah, no, and like you said, you did a lot with that race car, not in term, not only in terms of on-track success, but like it seemed like every time I saw you, you had it had gone undergone its latest update. You know what I mean? Like you made that last a long time and did a lot with seemingly a little. And I, I was actually texting back and forth with our, our mutual buddy Kurt Harrington this morning. I mean, like, you got any dirt on Chris? Like, what can I get on him? And you, uh, you already addressed the one question that he really had for you was just who built that original dragster yours? Because apparently, no one knows. No one knows. <laughs> Where was, is that car today? Great, it was. It was the great mystery, and a lot of a lot of chassis builders looked at it and said, "I got a couple ideas, but I don't know for sure." So it was always <laughs> just a mystery car. <laughs> Definitely a far cry from your current diamond machine that is immaculate, top to bottom. Yeah, well, we appreciate that. We kind of take pride in trying to keep it clean and make it one of the. It may it might not stand out, but we try to keep it clean and still worthy most of the time at the track. So. Dan builds awesome cars, and I wanted one of those things for a long time. Just took a long time to win enough and save enough to get there, I guess. If it doesn't stand out by looking at it, it certainly stands out when you match the loud pedal because it, it, it don't sound like all of the other ones at the racetrack for sure. Yeah, we're we're a little on the obnoxious side. But. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, uh, you've said openly and honestly that you'd been in a slump coming into Stanton. Tell us about that. You care to elaborate on that? No, yeah, just uh, completely inconsistent reaction times, kind of lost on the starting line. Was kind of used to a whole lot of success most of last year and the beginning part of this year. Came home from the Powerball race at SFG in April and just never really felt it there. And I actually joined, uh, give Luke a little plug, I joined Elite. And I'm not a major contributor on there, but I'm a major reader. And if nothing else, like if nothing else, uh, it's nice to watch KB and Luke on there discuss some of their own personal struggles and realize that even the superheroes of the sport go through a lot of the same things, and that helps mentally big time just to realize that guys like that uh, have the same struggles. So superhero, Jed, you hear that? I did hear that, and I I couldn't agree more. <laughs> 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 Chris, walk us through a little bit, I mean, the big day, at least at Santa. I know you have won on a big stage before. I know you've won at Ten Tuck. You've won at the Fall Fling. Just from a dollar standpoint, and obviously, as you alluded to earlier, from a prestige standpoint, like this was a, a big race. It's a big race for anybody, but specifically to someone that grew up where you grew up. 
I don't know, maybe some of the emotions of the day, and maybe if you want to do a little bit of a round-by-round, kind of take us through it. I had actually struggled Friday night, and we downloaded runs off the car, Dan Davies from Diamond and Brian Lampton that was kind of hanging out with us. We downloaded runs, and we're trying to make some excuse for the driver and his reaction times, and, and finally we had a little heart-to-heart with Lamp and Dan, and put a little good mojo into the driver, I guess. Finally <laughs> pulled his head out of where it shouldn't have been. And basically they just, uh, we went up there Saturday and just tried to make myself uncomfortable. Got out of the same routine and just do an entirely different routine on the starting line. And just getting out of the, out of the same old, same old really seemed to work for me. We were, I was actually a lot more nervous for like the first, or three rounds i really didn't want to give them the 300 dollars buyback very well first or second <laughs> round so did you were you able to we avoid escaped, that we escaped that yeah yeah we escaped that and then i wanted to keep it rolling third round and really after after that we started to relax a little more round by round and I ended up on the buy at seven cars and from that point forward i knew i was getting a little bit of coins so the pressure was really pretty well off other than to try to collect the trophy and put it on my mantle since I had put my, given myself an opportunity to do so. So, I know I glanced at the ladder. Which of the Ledfords did you run it for? I ran Lane, and that was probably the only race, honestly, that I was a little bit doubtful of going down track towards the finish line. I was I was not real comfortable with my position going down the track, but he ended up going three thou under and I was three thou above and it worked out in my favor. So Nice. Uh, One of the things that I always say or, or whether it's it's me personally or, or interviewing a winner, like I feel like when you win really any race, but specifically an event of that magnitude, everybody says like you gotta get away with one. I kinda look at it in both directions. I feel like if you come out on top that race nine round race against some of the best racers in the country there's always that one round somewhere or there's typically that one round where you kind of got away with like that the a run that you made that probably might not have won the other eight rounds and it happened to be in the right place at the right time and then on the flip side there's typically one round where your opponent laid down a run that maybe you don't typically beat and it just so happened that that's the round that you made an awesome run beside him and everything lined up. Was that the case? And if so, like, could you pinpoint maybe a round that you got away with and maybe a round that you kind of stood on your head? The round I got away with, and I don't remember the opponent, honestly, but I was pretty well in control, but I was almost too much in control. We ended up hogging the stripe big time to stick it on dead three and, and like an eight or nine total package. And I was feeling like the world's worst driver when I got back to the GT <laughs> booth <laughs> because I knew I took a lot, but I did not intend to take anything like that and make it that, make it that close. We about gave that one up, but other one than that, one I'm of those actually, where you about was, throw up when you look up and realize you were dead on. You're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We were, we were telling ourselves what we should do going down the track and then the run about got away from us. We didn't realize where we were at in time. <laughs> But that was really the run I got away with. And as far as, I guess there wasn't, I can't really pinpoint any runs that were really tough. I will say that probably the coolest part of it was having Troy Williams Jr. in the final. And actually, we had a pretty good race. I was five, he was six, and he went down there and and scrubbed some ET off. And I dumped with him, and it worked out in our favor. But it was really, really cool to race 
race somebody of that magnitude in the final for 50 grand and come out on top. That was probably the highlight of the day, truthfully. Yeah, yeah that, it had to be. And you touched on it earlier, Chris. You said like when you got past third round, you was like, okay, let's let's keep this thing rolling. Let's move forward. But is that the point or at what point did you allow yourself to really believe that, that you could win the 50? Really, when they came on the PA and told me that I had to buy at seven and that was one of my worst lights of the of the race at 009. And at that point, my buddy Lampton was still in, and he was 009 too. So we just had the discussion that there was no way that was good enough for us to for either one of us to get the buy. And then they tell me I'm on the buy, and that kind of when you're down to four at that point, you feel like you got a pretty legitimate shot. Yeah. yeah, that had to feel really good. The last buy, no matter when it comes, is the best one to have. So I was, uh, I had to feel absolutely. great. Absolutely, yeah, Let, absolutely. Let's just clarify briefly. Like we did, just ask if there was any round that you kind of stood on your head and made a otherworldly run. You're like, ah, not really. Nothing really stood out. And then a few minutes later, said, yeah, that was one of my worst lights of the day. I was double nine. Um, so like, I guess it's just commonplace that you just make nasty runs. It just has so happened that nobody made a really good one beside you. <laughs> well, beyond the past two and a half, three months when I couldn't find myself on the starting line to save me. Yeah. And I, we, we, we like to be really good up front and we found it again there at Stanton. We were, our best was double oh three worst was 13 against lane wow. in the semis so mm. that's a spread deserving of uh of the big check at the end of the day that's awesome yeah that usually yields yeah. good results uh i was just going to say obviously you have a lot of people that contribute to your racing program uh and i'm sure there's some people that that you want to give some thanks for that oh yeah dan davies from diamond race cars not only does he build a really really good car we travel around and he offers a lot of advice and support thankfully he's usually in my camp race to race so that's a nice asset to have and uh, we use fpi converters uh, it felt kind of bad i don't know how my next converter is going to turn out after the final withdrawal <laughs> <laughs> but no those guys are top notch and and put me back together at martin in the middle of that race a couple weeks ago so always like to thank them they do a phenomenal job and and uh danny wood here on a local level does a lot of my if it's not at the track he does some transmission work and a lot of odds and ends for me to keep me on the road and going strong yeah we yeah. got to have that support and i'm sure there's a crew member or two maybe that that contributes as well yeah definitely my girlfriend nikki is uh, a big part of it this year we've had some transitions in our business at home she has to stay home for a lot of these bigger events and kind of man the store but but uh, she's a lot of help regardless of whether she's there or not so. yeah gotta have that too uh, chris you just won the 50 grander at stanton michigan i know you're not going to disneyland where to next we are off to Dragway 42 in the morning for the SFG race this weekend. Looking for the back-to-back. Trying the back-to-back, and I don't know. The odds of that are, like, got to be minuscule somewhere, given the quality of the participants of both events. But we're going to give it a shot and see what happens anyhow. That's very true, but I will clue you in on one thing. Your odds of going back-to-back are way better than anybody else's. Yeah, you're absolutely right there, yeah. 
that's a really good point. <laughs> Chris, congratulations again on a, a very memorable day at the racetrack. Uh, you deserve it. You earned it. And uh, you deserve all the accolades and, and congratulations that are coming your way. And we appreciate the interview. But if you've listened to the show, and I know you have a few times, you know we're not done. Um, oh, we yeah. have a, have a little segment called Rapid Fire where we're going to ask you some quick questions and just get your quick answers. And uh, I'm sure you're up for it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, in full realization that the answer to this question may have changed Saturday evening, favorite racetrack? Probably have to go with Bristol. Oh, yeah. Love that choice. <laughs> so you're kind of a mellow guy, Chris. Everybody's figuring that out now if they didn't already know it. But there's got to be a song that you just have to turn up when you hear it. I mean, just crank it. Metallica, I Disappear. Oh. Bet you didn't see that coming, did <laughs> No, did not. <laughs> All right. I, I hope that this uh, question elicits a clean answer. But um, <laughs> what is the first thing you do when you get up in the morning, Chris? Make coffee. Fair enough. Yeah, that's clean. That's the best stuff. Nasty. Uh, Chris. Sorry, Big Jed. <laughs> who is a celebrity that you'd like to meet? I, nothing's coming to mind, honestly. Oh. Kurt Harrington was the answer I was looking for. Um, <laughs> now he says he's going to be way too big to fit through the door next time we see him. <laughs> We'll let you slide on that one. Uh, if you had never been introduced to drag racing, you would play a lot of golf. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Great answer. The man after your heart, Jed. Yes. Great answer. <laughs> Bristol is your favorite track. You play a lot of golf. What was that coffee thing? Man, we would have been like twins. <laughs> Chris, we appreciate you participating in the rapid fire. Thank you for the interview. We appreciate your time. We know you're trying to get ready to go try to do it again back to back. We wish you a ton of luck over at the, the next big race this weekend. And uh, again, thank you and congrats. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks again for having me on. We really appreciate it. Come out like the world champ. You've been waiting all winter long. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast over the PA on race day. August the 24th through the 26th, the IHRA will bring their new Summit Sportsman Spectacular to Maryland International Raceway. Now, the main event will be Saturday's $10,000 to win race, while Sunday will pay $5,000 to win. Both races allow electronics. The no-box entries will be kept separate until one remains. That racer will receive a $1,000 bonus on Saturday and a $500 bonus on Sunday. If that racer is an IHRA member they receive a bonus of 500 more dollars now, this event will provide a little something for everyone they have iron men they have big checks for the winners there will be round prizes contingency a golf cart race and my favorite the racer appreciation cookout 
pre-entry is only $150 for the MIR event, and that will run until August the 13th. Pre-enter now at IHRA.com. In addition, today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. And Jed, I just want to take a minute to brag on my guys and gals. What what a weekend for This Is Bracket Racing Elite and our members. You just heard from Chris Stein, uh, biggest win of his career, $50,000 win at the World Super Pro Challenge. In addition to Chris, obviously he's an elite member. As he mentioned, Ryan Warder, who's a fairly new member to the group, earned his first NHRA National Event win in Stock Eliminator up at Seattle, the Northwest Nationals. Ryan has had a heck of a season, and his versatility is on display with that win in Stock. He's picked up a couple of divisional crowns in Competition Eliminator. James Rutherford, another one of our members, top sportsman runner-up at Seattle. Dave Barcelone, another member in Superstock, was semifinalist. He lost to Justin Lamb in semis by one thousandth of a second. Two of our elite members, Brandon Fannensteel, who we've talked about before on the show, and Dustin Shore, squared off in the final round of a $5,000-to-win race up at Eddyville in Iowa with Brandon taking the win. Dallas Page, who we've had on the show before, Armed Forces Racing. I'm sorry, Dallas Page. We, I, I got confused because I got Dallas Page and Jeff Lambert both been on the show. Dallas Page, who has been on the show, drove to the first final round appearance of his young career at uh, Music City over the weekend. So super happy for Dallas. Jeff Lambert, again, Armed Forces Racing, advanced to the semifinals at Greer Dragway. That's his home track. And by advancing to the semis, he retook the season-long points lead. And my wife, Jessica, back-to-back semifinals at I-57, made awesome runs all day um, before falling to Donnie Ellis in the semis here at home. Now, like big picture, is Elite the sole reason for these racers' success? No. Is Elite a small part of it? We would like to think so. If you want to reach and expand your potential on the racetrack, This Is Bracket Racing Elite can help. You can check it out at thisisbracketracing.com. Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's What's on Tap! Hi, Luke. Uh, as always, we've got a lot on tap for the, the Sportsman Drag Racer coming up this weekend. But something that's going to be near and dear to your heart, and one I wish I could make, is the inaugural 5-7 at I-57. This is a really cool format that you and Scott Bailey and the gang have come up with. Yeah, we're excited about this. It's uh, it's this Saturday. It's August 11th. It's two races in one day. Uh, $5,000 to win the first race, $7,000 to win the second race, which I realize in today's big dollar bracket landscape is not a huge event. Um, it's not something that I we put together in hopes to appeal to the masses and have people coming from a five-state radius. It's more for racers within, I don't know, 200 miles or so, I-57. Two races in one day, less travel expense. It's a, basically a format that I've I've pushed for here on the podcast for over a year and decided we would uh, we would back it up and put on a race of this like our own. Um, two races one day, double entries allowed, basically in any form. You can double, same car, same driver. Buybacks can be limited or completely eliminated based upon the car count, basically just to make sure that we can get the whole race in in a day and to keep expenses to a minimum as possible. It's basically our sequel, Jed, to the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout, with one exception. You can bring your dragsters. 
Dragsters, welcome Ooh. at I-57 Drag Strip this weekend. Purse, as always, 100% guaranteed. And as has become the staple of our events, Big Jed, we expect a huge spectator crowd. We actually took a lot of the effort that we put into prize packages to award to racers at the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout. And we're doing it for spectators. We are giving away a ton of free stuff to every spectator in the gate. We expect to have that place jam-packed Saturday night, which, from a a race standpoint, A, it allows us to put on a little bit better race because some of the profitability comes from the stands. And B, it's just, as you know, Jed, a cool atmosphere when you get to race in front of a jam-packed house. And that's what we try to provide. Yeah, you haven't raced in front of a Saturday crowd like this at your local drag strip at a, just a bracket race. So go enjoy yourself. Take a little extra, a few extra bucks. Buy plenty of lemonade. It's delicious. And just like Luke mentioned, this is uh, contrary to the summer door car shootout. You can bring your long cars, and it's open to everyone. So you guys get out and enjoy this race. Uh, Luke, I wish you guys a lot of luck. I know it'll go extremely well. And on top of that, August the 10th through the 12th is the Colonial Classic by our friends at Loose Rocker Promotions. It's presented by Calvert Kettlecorn. That's at VMP in Dinwiddie, Virginia. Uh, the boys at Loose Rocker always do a wonderful job. So get out and check out that event if you're in the area. The 9th through the 12th is the SFG Buckeye Bracket Bash at Dragway 42. That's where Chris Stein is headed. So if that makes you go a different direction, I understand. That's in <laughs> West Salem, Ohio. So go get after Chris and everybody else is going to show up. It'll be a big crowd. And August the 11th and 12th is the IHRA, or excuse me, NHRA Division 5 Lucas Oil Race at Brainerd International Speedway. So the zoo will start getting warmed up at Brainerd, Minnesota this weekend, Luke. Yeah, they'll get that in full effect. I believe that the national, the divisional and the national are back to back this year. So if yes. I know the zoo at all, I have made an appearance or two at the zoo in the past. I can guarantee you there won't be thousands of people in the zoo this weekend, but I guarantee you that several hundred of the faithful will just set up camp a week early. Like I would imagine that the zoo, they actually sometimes smaller crowds, like the zoo might be even more entertaining this week than it is at the national event so if you're at the division race i would i would i would encourage you guys to check that out yeah go check it out so that brings us to a close that wraps up this episode of the sportsman drag racing podcast guys appreciate you listening thanks to our guest chris stein congrats to him on a huge day at the racetrack at the world super pro challenge i want to thank our great sponsors the ihra summit sportsman spectacular the fine folks at bte and this is bracket racing elite we appreciate all of those guys and it's time for shout outs one of my favorite parts of the show not because it's the end just because it's really cool yeah, well, I, you, come on, Jed. You can come clean. You do like it because it's almost over. Um, <laughs> and, and to those listeners that have made it this far, um, bless your heart. And it is almost over. <laughs> Shout out to all the members of This Is Bracket Racing Elite. Huge weekend. That was so cool. Shout out to anybody that may be listening to this on their way to the 5-7 at I-57. Looking forward to a great Saturday of action there. I shout out Nick Hastings and the T-1000 a lot, but you talked about it today, and I just thought that's the biggest win in T-1000 history. So shout out to Nick. Shout out to Dr. Diaz. Shout out to the T-1000. Shout out again to Tony Melville and the buggy. I can't say enough about the buggy. Shout out to Chris Stein. Shout out to Kurt Harrington and his big head. Shout out to Jeff Strickland, to Ricky Adkins, to Jeff Taylor, who we said um, a week ago was a three-time world champion and he's a four-time world champion. Shout out to Lewis Bloom, who is the stat guy and our fact checker, me. 
who is not. We're going to work on that. We'll do better next week. And, of course, show closer. We just talked about it. Shout out to the zoo. Guys, there are very, very few. Not check that. There is one. One race that I would ever entertain going to without a race car. And it is the national event in Brainerd, Minnesota. Because there are... I've never seen anything like the zoo. I've been to Mardi Gras. And I've never seen anything quite like the zoo. I don't know how many thousands of people cram into that campground that they call the zoo. But I can guarantee you this. There are over 10,000 people in there that don't realize there's a race going on on the same property. That never make it to the grandstands. And it is awesome. It is a sight worth seeing. If you ever needed a reason to go to Brainerd, Minnesota, go to the national event in Brainerd, Minnesota and just walk around the zoo. <laughs> Guys, be sure to tell us what you think. Uh, message us right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, or you can at either Luke or myself on Twitter. We definitely love hearing from you, so make sure you reach out to us. And uh, tell us what you think of the show, whether it's good or bad. Hopefully, it's all good. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. It was a jam-packed show. We got through it. It was awesome. I loved it. Enjoyed it. Can't wait till the next one. And we appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Banging on the door. Bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot-breaking in it. BTE builds. Let's try that one over. BTE. Yeah. <laughs> Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100-plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.